Hi, this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the National Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering five conversations from Season 3, Episode 19, celebrating our second anniversary with new news about SurfingNash.com and Year 3 of Surfing the National Tsunami, followed by discussion of the retrospective analysis at Dale NIT. This conversation starts with Stephen Harrison discussing the scope of current NITs and saying... Quote, we don't need to reinvent the wheel only to make it run smoother, end of quote, by figuring out which test or sets of tests can diagnose and stage different cohorts of patients. Naeem Al-Khori discusses the new 24-bed phase one facility he's building in Phoenix as a site for dramatically increasing early stage trial throughput. Mazen Nuruddin notes he's doing the same in Houston on a smaller scale, at least for now. Eventually, the group talks about the medical, academic, and commercial imperatives to get beyond the biopsy within the next five years that fuel their energy, a goal each panelist considers aggressive but totally doable. It is really exciting to hear Stephen, Mazen, Yorn, and Naeem talk about their plans for nail and IT analysis. In conjunction with Litmus, Nimble, and the Goldmine Project at UCSD, this is the stuff that will propel all of us beyond the biopsy in a scientifically credible, patient-sensitive way. So sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn and Facebook discussion groups. Stephen Harrison. It might be that we come up with something totally different and unique, but my guess is we take what's out there and we look at the data we have and we try to validate one or more of those pathways, ideally one. And, and I think that would be a huge win. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We just need to make it run smoother. Name Alkuri. I really hope the retrospective part will be the engine to publish 10 to 12 papers every year. This is what we're committing to, me and Jorn, right? Because this is going to be unique, honestly, I think in any disease state to have, you know, several pharma companies, stakeholders agree to share data and uh, answer all the relevant questions. But the big picture, I guess, is to have the prospective study funded and to start enrolling patients. We have big plans for this year. We are building a phase one unit that will have uh, 24 beds here in Phoenix. We can have patients stay with us for a week, 10 days, do PK studies. But part of this phase one, we're going to have our own MRI machine, all, you know, state-of-the-art imaging. And I really hope that we will start enrolling patients for the prospective nail and IT in this new unit. Stay tuned, but I think December 2022 will be up and running to do hepatic decompensation studies, PK studies, anything phase one and all imaging testing. Uh, wow. You're on Mazen, Louise. Louise, you, you and I are going to be about equally qualified to comment on this, but we'll have a go at it. But you're in, why don't you go ahead, Armazen? Mazen Nureddin. Uh, I was thinking about, I mean, I'm now fixated on the number of the beds that you guys going to have. 24. I mean, we're, we're still <laughs> We're starting 10,000 square foot in Houston, Texas very soon. And we're going to have phase one unit, but uh, I'm not sure about 24, but we're starting. You will have an MRI right next door too. So. That's true. Yeah. We're, we're, we're starting with four to five bed, but that's my goal. Now, like my dream is to extend to 24 bed. Not like I'm, that's not competition. Just you know, No, 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 Mazen. You're never satisfied with the quality. That's not, no, no. You need 34 beds. 40 bands, you know. No, I'm not that competitive. <laughs> no, but truly, I mean, I'm excited about this next year. Hopefully, we'll have good news about registry study, phase three. Fingers crossed. Who knows what the envelope is going to open as. But at the same time, I really want to look at that 100-mile vision and predict these, hopefully, 10 to 15 MOAs in phase three studies while we're doing multiple investigator-initiated or phase two studies that is a common 
combo now. So that's for the future. And really to get there, we cannot just keep jabbing and stabbing people on the right side of their body with the liver biopsy. So they tell you like in residency and fellowship, what do you want to be in the next five years or 10 years? And I think within the next five years, we really have to move beyond that. I think by year five, these guys and the rest of the steering committee, there are many exciting people and KOLs will prepare the field for those thousands of people in phase three without a liver biopsy and multiple phase two combinations. You know, and Jörn Schattenberg. Just to follow up and think one step ahead. I mean, these are incredible research capacities all Maz and Naeem and Steven are having. But if we accelerate this and move beyond the biopsy and have nail NITs produce successful outcomes, we'll have many more study centers, even less experienced hepatologists being able to enroll their patients because they're, you know, they're everywhere, these patients. And I think we're going to get more diversity here in terms of participating centers. Yeah, given um, how many patients are going to have to get enrolled, that makes tremendous sense. The more places you have that can enroll patients, that's huge, right? We're producing study demand faster than producing patients right now. That certainly makes sense. Louise Campbell. As this data is generated, it's about the excitement of how to put it into real care beyond the clinical trial setting. How do we get it back into the threshold of the primary care physician, the general, the district general hospital who's not got a liver specialist? How do we generate something that's a tool that's able to be used more locally? Because as we say, these patients are everywhere. I've recently done a a catch-up fiber scan list and I could have enrolled five studies in specialist centers given the limited number of slots that you get just on one session, but most of them would have probably failed biopsies. So it's really about the practical implications. I think that goes back to what Naeem was saying about we can be too intelligent for what we want to actually put it into the practical setting. So I think Nail NIT offers an amalgamation of that to be able to put it in practically. And that's the key for me, for more people at ground zero to be able to be diagnosed, to get the appropriate care and the appropriate NIT that they need to get them to the fastest place quickest, because that's when we can treat them. And that's when we can turn it around most. So I think it's really exciting. That's a great point, Louise. I, you know, the timeline for this, if you just want to just kind of break it down into brass tacks, Roger. We're looking at potentially now, you know, Intercept could could resubmit any time or later this year, and maybe a beta-colic acid is approved six months from the time of their submission. The next one up is resmeterome, and they read out in Q3 of this year. So basically Q3 of 2023, you would think that there might be a possibility of the first approval if Intercept doesn't get it before that. So there's your timeline. We need to have a very clear, easy to use, non-invasive testing strategy for at least the context of use of diagnosing the patient that would qualify for treatment in a very simple, easy to use, non-invasive format by Q3 of 2023, if not sooner. Stephen, first of all, that sounds like a non-trivial lift, even with eight to 10 papers coming from these guys or 12 papers or what number Mazen's going to talk them into or in you by the time you're done. I want to go, the comment I made before that you said was simplistic but complex, I totally agree on both those things. The technology that wins isn't always the best technology. Is the technology that gets the best foothold. So what you're challenged with here to some degree is how to find a technology that can get a good enough foothold given what you're dealing with, even if it's not optimal. Another thing I think I've heard you say on a couple of occasions, I don't want to say from time to time, is by not letting the right be the enemy of the good. It, it feels to me like this is a goal of getting to good. Yeah, but what do you, what do you mean by technology, Roger? Um, 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 well, the classic example, Mazen, that they, that they talk about in business is a long time ago with VHS, audio video cassette. 
cassettes, right? Uh, Sony had a much better technology called Beta, but the distribution was in favor of a clearly inferior technology called VHS. And within three years, VHS had swamped the market and Beta had gone away. And if you designed for the best technology for what was known at that point in time, you would have gotten to Beta. But it was about momentum and distribution and prior investment. So let's take an example of a grant. A lot of grants, they get submitted with prelim data. A lot of times the work is already done we're not done here but here we have so many data that is pointing that we we will get there for sure transatlastography has correlation with outcome mre has correlation with outcome elf has correlation with outcomes the needle is moving with nits and histology it's all there we have just to put it together and do that phase three diagnostic trial to show what the fda wants and call it the day so the technology is there the data is there it's just closing the loop and wrapping things up. Now, that's not the 12-month process, right? That's the... Yeah, I mean, for the people who are listening, my prediction, we will get to hopefully replacing it in five years completely. Now, if a magic happened before that and data, again, I'll use the analogy of the football team. If an NIT does some and others bring more and all of a sudden, 2024 or 2025, the FDA is saying, well, let's move on. That's even better. But I expect five years to around time to have phase three completely five to six completely depending on using NIT. What do you think Stephen, Naeem and your like I mean our plan is five to six years so is that too ambitious or the other way around? No I, I don't think it's too ambitious. I think quite frankly we have to have this within five years if not sooner. If you look at clinical trials we can enroll a non-invasive test 10 times faster than we can enroll a paired liver biopsy study. It's the, In essence, it's the same patient population often, but because of the complexities of liver biopsy, the high screen fail rate, and the fact that patients often don't want to go through it, makes it, it's, it's led to inevitable delays in drug development. Inevitable, you know, without drug development, we can't get after disease awareness. Without disease awareness, we're not going to get after the patients that have the disease. So it's a vicious cycle. We have to break it. And we break it by finding a non-invasive test that then frees up clinical trials. It allows drugs to be developed. It allows funds to come in to build disease awareness campaigns. And then we are able to get after combination therapies, just like hepatitis C. And one day we're, we're talking about eradicating the disease rather than finding our first treatment for the disease. We don't have that within five years. I think that the momentum we've gained will be lost. The interest in the field will have moved on and we're going to be in a bad spot. I think the sad thing is we're using a method in liver biopsy that's obstructive to patient survival. Now, that should never be allowed, that using biopsy obstructs patient survival and timelines. And I don't know any other disease that would be placing that as a barrier. Yeah, and based on the on the homework, Mezen, you gave to us, I mean, there's a lot of data in, in regulatory trials already being collected and we're going to be busy with that. But I think, I, I echo Stephen, we can be more ambitious because we've already done so much in these regulatory trials. And just to have another thought here, it's not going to be a different disease once we use NITs to assess it uh, compared to histology. But I think we'll reach different patients, the ones that pulled out before because they didn't want to go the biopsy. Or So I think that's so crucial, really, to get to the next level here. And again, many things have already been done. Over limbal litmus and nail NIT, I think we're able to move the field more rapidly. So um, in a year, It'll be third anniversary podcast. We'll get back together. We'll do um, noisemakers. Technology will be better, so we'll be able to do more interesting things on it. We'll have a new bunch of Harrisonisms, even if you're only on for half the podcast, Stephen. I know how fast you create them. I'm sure there'll be more of them. And uh, hopefully you guys will have pushed this ball way further up the field. 
And now, back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week to learn a little more about our new full-time co-host, Jorn, and to check in with a couple of our favorite guest surfers. Until then, stay safe, surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now.